I came downstairs because the doctor called me and I had to have him repeat the diagnosis to you. And he said, your husband has an 80% blockage. He has heart disease. What do you think? I was like, whoa. I think up to that point, I was like, oh, you know, here we go. He was like the man flu. All these symptoms, you know, are just not that serious. But that was definitely the moment where I was like, okay, this is really scary and really serious. This strange pressure built in my chest. Heart disease remains the leading cause of death, according to a report released. We also have to talk about family history. So I didn't have any problems till I was in my, I guess, mid-50s. You have heart disease. Never stop calling. I don't feel well. I don't feel well. You do whatever it takes to get the help you need. Freaking out knowing that I have a blockage in one of my arteries. I met my wife when we were teenagers in high school. She came to one of my band practices on a Friday night. I was probably smoking a cigarette at the curb, and we started chatting. A few months later, I definitely did the 90s thing of asking, do you want to go out with me? I think she said no a couple of times, actually. But then she said yes. And we were on and off for many years. Now... We're married 10 years. We've got three amazingly beautiful, really tough at times children. And she's sitting in a hospital waiting room as I await a cardiac catheterization to tell me just how clogged my artery is. Things are about to move quickly in Bill's patient journey. For months, he had been experiencing these increasingly frequent chest pains, but had been told by doctors that it was either nothing to worry about or something that would be addressed down the line. Now he's two days removed from receiving life-changing information and on his way to the hospital. After that phone call and like those next couple days where he wanted you to come in right away, we like couldn't sleep. I was definitely like just so worried. Like, could this be life right now? You hear all these horrible stories of people having heart problems or not having heart problems and then just like dying of heart attacks. Young, we've had friends, we have people in our community. And I'm like, is this happening? I really don't want to be a widow. We have three little kids. Like, this is not supposed to be how it's supposed to be. For anybody that goes to the hospital, even for a planned procedure, there is a nominal amount of anxiety that you feel. Now imagine that they're going to go in and do an emergency procedure on your heart. That's where Bill is at this moment in time. I'm Jack O'Brien, digital editor at MM&M. MM&M, in conjunction with Cardiology Advisor, a Haymarket Media publication, presents Me and My Heart. Episode 2. I got to the hospital, checked in pretty quickly. They get you on the table to prep you. This is all new for me too, by the way. I've never had a medical procedure in my life, so I, I've never taken my clothes off in a hospital and put a hospital gown on. At that point, I don't even think I fully understood what was about to happen. I can't even say I was nervous. I was nervous, but there really wasn't even too much time to be nervous. And there was so much going on where that like uh, I couldn't even focus on being nervous, which I guess was a good thing. For those who may not be as familiar with cardiovascular health and how stents work, it can seem like a scary thing. However, coronary angioplasties have been around for decades. The first recorded coronary angioplasty was conducted in Zurich in late 1977. The first one conducted in the Western Hemisphere occurred in March of 1978. 
Since that time, there have been a myriad of changes and advances in the discipline we all know today as interventional cardiology. That's courtesy of Dr. Simon Sturzer, Professor of Medicine Emeritus at Stanford University's Division of Cardiovascular Medicine and the first doctor to perform a coronary angioplasty in the United States. At the time of Dr. Sturzer's first procedure, he says that fewer than six people in the world could perform a coronary angioplasty, and the medical establishment was unsure as to whether invasive cardiology was appropriate at all. Fast forward a couple decades, and stents are a widely accepted medical procedure for cardiovascular care. Sure, they're still scary, and they are used in emergency situations like bills, but they are accepted, and they do serve a purpose. The procedure itself is basically going, you know, we take catheters from the groin or from the radial arteries these days, and we inject contrast into the arteries of the heart. Using an x-ray machine, we're able to capture how the arteries appear and how they look as they're traversing around the heart muscle. My name is Bro Focolari. I'm an interventional cardiologist. I practice in Chicago, Illinois. And the idea is to identify if there's any blockages in the arteries. They put my bed in position in the procedural room. They pumped me up with an antihistamine because I'm allergic to the contrast. The doctors and nurses and assistants in the room all say hello, ask me how I'm doing. One of them lifts up my gown and takes a buzzer to my groin area. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but again, I, I don't really know what to expect. So I'm in the procedural room, I'm laying on my back, notice two large video monitors that will end up displaying all my vitals and have the images of my heart and arteries. While Bill is laying there on the table, all he can think about is how the hell did this happen? Was it unhealthy eating habits? I'll have a sausage, egg and cheese on a roll. Can you have bacon and chipotle made of that? More than a decade's worth of smoking cigarettes? Family genetics. I don't know, it's in the family, so it's hard to determine, but you're kind of young. You know. But my father had blockages at 38. Dad's mother had, I know she had that artery in her neck was clogged. Was it his bout with COVID that had adversely impacted his cardiovascular health? People who had COVID, no matter what age, their risk of heart events clotting has gone up exponentially. That's Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum, a preventative cardiologist and a national spokesperson for Go Red through the American Heart Association. This idea of long COVID, part of that is cardiac related. And I don't think we've all made that connection quite yet, but we have to because the, the playing field is now being leveled. Now it's affecting all of us and we have to address it in a really different way than we have. Then I start getting poked with multiple sharp needles right into my wrist. That actually hurt. That might have hurt even more so than the actual procedure itself. It was just one right after the other. When we're getting access into the actual artery, we give a little bit of like numbing medicine. So it's usually lidocaine. Um, which we kind of inject just around the area where we want to stick with our access you know, into the artery. So that should numb the skin so that you don't feel any pain once we're actually going in the needle. Once we infiltrate the numbing medicine, then we go ahead with a different needle and get access into the actual artery itself. Uh, that's how we start the procedure. They then uh, pumped me with a twilight anesthesia. They want you to stay awake during this procedure. What was it like being awake for the procedure? It is so weird to watch this happen while it's happening to you. Like I'm watching it on a screen in front of me, the same screen that the doctors are watching. You want to see nice and uniform arteries all across the heart. 
but in cases where there's blockages, you'll see that uniformity change and it will become a lot smaller in certain areas and then it'll open up again. Whenever the appearance of the artery gets very small, that's an indication for a blockage. This thin hair-like tube gets inserted into my arm, goes up all the way into my artery and just all the way up into my heart. It's scary, insanely impressive, and also just the weirdest thing that I have ever physically had happen to me. And this whole time you're awake. We use a special catheter that allows us to put stents into the artery. We use that catheter and advance it up to the artery of the heart. At that point, um, we use a small wire and cross the blockage with the wire inside the artery. And that wire is basically the conduit that allows us to advance any balloons or stents into the artery. Once we get the wire in place, then we advance the balloon across that area of blockage. Uh, we inflate it up to a nominal pressure, which is roughly the size of the actual artery. And then uh, after inflating the balloon, we leave it up for about five to 10 seconds, and then the balloon comes down. Now uh, we deflate it, and then we remove the balloon from the body. So the catheter is in there and the doctor is looking at it on the screen. He's getting into all of the arteries, making sure they're all clear. He gets to the 80% blocked artery, gets a closer look and determines that it is not 80% blocked. It is in fact 90% blocked. My eyes widened a bit when he said that. And he immediately said, we are inserting a stent now. The benefit of placing a stent is that uh, artery will stay open for a longer period of time versus just angioplasty. So after you know, using the balloon, we would then advance a stent across the blockage. And the stent is similarly delivered on a balloon device so that once the stent is across the blockage, uh, we inflate the stent and then we deflate the balloon and then the stent is left behind and the balloon is removed from the body. And then once we're done with the stent uh, being placed, we'll take some final pictures and with contrast, basically uh, evaluate the artery and make sure that it's back to its uniformity as we would expect it to be. I was definitely a little scared at that point. The stent is going in. I'm watching it on the screen. You see the balloon inflate and then deflate and then they pull everything out and it's so quick. And then they put this like square kind of compressor, no stitches, this very, very tight compressed square thing. I honestly don't even have a technical word for it. That's for the doctors to know and the nurses to know. So from the radial artery, we're using um, a pressure bandage. Uh, basically, that's a, just a plastic device that has a, a like an air chamber inside of it. And we inflate that air chamber to basically stop the blood from coming out of the artery. And then over time, over the next couple hours, about two to three cc's of air are slowly removed every 30 minutes. And that's how the, uh, the artery stays open, but also stops the bleeding. So we don't want to stop the blood circulation going into your hand, but at the same time, we just want to stop the bleeding. So that's why that uh, compression device is used. I got wheeled back to my little spot in cardiology department. They hook you back up to the EKG and the, all the monitors and feeling a little strange. The twilight drugs definitely kicked in a little bit. 
My wife was there, so she got brought in a little while after. So at least I wasn't alone. When I was coming into the recovery room, they were like wheeling you in. And the two nurses, different nurses, I just said like, how'd it go? And they said it went well, but it was pretty blocked. And, you know, six more months, this could have been a real heart attack. It was a little scary. I I felt weird. I did not feel like myself, but I got through it because my wife was there. I had some family members texting me and I was texting them back, though I didn't have too much use of my right hand at that time. My right wrist was killing. The whole arm was sore. The whole area was sore and it was really wasn't usable. And I had to keep it still anyway, because they don't want you to risk doing any damage to that artery that they were just in. They brought out a delicious hospital chicken salad sandwich. That was my first meal. It was one of the last times I actually ate meat for a very long time after that. I did start to feel really weak. Even though I took the antihistamine, I'm still pretty badly allergic to that uh, contrast. So I was starting to feel the allergic reactions to that. So I was getting a little shaky, Mm -hmm. a little feverish. So before they discharge me from the hospital, the nurses come over and go over some medicines with me that I'm going to be taking some of them for the rest of my life and one of them for the next few months. It's a lot of care about like what you need to do with your arm and with the wound site. No lifting anything heavy for at least a week or two, including your kids, which kind of sucks because I know they'd probably want me outside throwing them around, playing baseball and whatnot. But it's all right. I'll take a break. And it's too cold out there anyway, boys. So they go over all that. And then, of course, tell you, you know, you have to follow up with your cardiologist. You got to go back in, I think, a month afterwards. And then keep making the appointments and keep following up. When it finally was time for me to leave, I stood up and I was like woozy. And they were kind of surprised that I was. But I'm telling you, it's probably just because all that stuff that they injected in me was hitting me late. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I was even under any anesthesia and even a twilight form of it during the procedure. I was my mind was pretty clear. What were those first days at home like? Like, did you feel physically different? Yeah, it was bad. I had a pretty bad recovery from it. Even like all the old people in my life, the seniors that have stents were so shocked. First off, my entire wrist and arm and the artery going all the way up to my shoulder actually stung. It was almost like a burning because something was in there. Sometimes that can happen with the radial artery when you go from the arm because it's a smaller artery. When you're putting catheters through, you may actually cause like a spasm of the artery. That's one of the times when patients will feel some pain. If the artery clamps down on the catheter um, for whatever reason, then it makes it a little bit harder for us to, one, advance them, advance the catheter into the arm, and also to remove the catheter. So that could be something where you may feel some soreness and some irritation after the procedure. But I didn't know that. I was still scared and still fearful at thinking, even though I have a stent and at any moment, maybe you get all those dark thoughts like, Oh my God, my body, what if it rejects the stent? What if it clogs up right away? What if the anti-clotting pill that I'm taking every day doesn't work? So I had all these thoughts, but then I started like I had a fever and a fever they say is normal if it's controllable by Tylenol. So that was December 30th, my procedure. All New Year's Eve, I was laying on the couch just out of commission. I want you to think about your ideal New Year's Eve situation. For many, it's probably like something out of When Harry Met Sally. It's a big party. Everyone's dressed up. 
You've got a flute of champagne. There's hors d'oeuvres going around. You're ready for the ball to drop. It's a really fun, vibrant scene for a lot of people. Let Bill tell you about what New Year's Eve 2022 was like for him post-procedure. Felt kind of sick. Felt tired. I was over 100 with a fever. I was taking Tylenol all day. We had gotten home. You were just kind of like laying on the couch, chilling for the new year. Oh, I <laughs> had a drink or two. And I guess suddenly just felt your head next to my arm and it was burning hot. And I took your temperature and it was like 101. And we got nervous because the paperwork had said that a fever shouldn't go over 100. If it was over 100, call the doctor. Now it's like 11 p.m. on New Year's. I've had two vodka sodas. And I'm like, mm, maybe I should stop drinking just in case I have to bring him somewhere. What were you thinking on New Year's Eve when you saw me sick on the couch? Very scared. Like, very, very, very scared. Why were you scared? And you were laying on the couch like this, and it was very scary. So it's New Year's Eve 2023. I'm passed out on the couch feeling miserable, feeling nauseous, getting strange cramps in my chest area that my anxiety is leading me to think might be my stent or my artery stretching or something like that. I have no idea. I've got a fever of about 101. I'm taking Tylenol all day long. My daughter, Quinny, is a little scared at dad being so weirdly sick after just getting out of the hospital, but it's New Year's Eve, so her and her brothers are trying to stay up late. My wife was enjoying herself with a couple of adult beverages, as she's allowed to do, and now she stops to be scared right along with me. Happy New Year. On the next episode of Me and My Heart. You didn't really know what it was supposed to feel like. So that was, I remember making you feel really worried. The medications we have are so powerful that heart function is being improved from being nothing to being normal. I put down alcohol 100%. The new you is to choose a healthier breakfast. The new you is to, you know, after work, have a routine of going to the gym once a day. Listen to your doctor. That's my doctor. Watch the facts and take your statins.